What's up, everyone? Kane Pittman here, host of the Pit and Roll podcast. And this is normally the time where I say thank you for subscribing to the Pick and Roll on Substack. But this is this is a groundbreaking podcast. This is this is different. We're going down a different path today. This is public. This one is public to everyone that's listening on wherever you get your podcasts. And before I bring in today's guest, we're going to be talking NBL, NBA, and who knows what else. We could go in any direction, really. But I do want to tell you about our friends at Glory League. Glory League is an automated video system and platform for all levels of basketball. Glory League is great for serious players looking for every advantage. Kids and families sharing in the sport experience together or weeknight battlers like myself playing with mates. Glory League connects everyone to the game they love. Join with more than 30 basketball associations from Darwin to Geelong. With over 150 courts and 130,000 users, there are everyday ballers becoming legends every single moment. Email david at gloryleague.com for more info. That's david at gloryleague.com. Now, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks on the show that things are really starting to heat up, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the NBL here in Australia that are weeks away. We know the WNBL has been uh, rolling along for the last month or so as well in what is a shortened season, what feels like for every single league around the world in 2020. But nonetheless, it is an exciting time if you're a basketball fan. And I didn't really think that there was a better time to bring uh, perhaps the uh, number one basketball reporter in the country onto the show and a good friend of mine, Olgan Ulrich. How you doing, man? Oh, that's so nice. That's very nice. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't I'm mean doing, it. I'm doing a bit... I'm oh, um thank you. I'm doing really well. Um it's this is free, which is very cool. Thank you everyone for joining us. Um but yeah, it's things have been really busy lately. It's it's it there was a lull for for a little bit, you know, I think right after the bubble, I think there was a little bit of a lull, but everything is just happening all at once and the NBA season is way too close. Well, before we get into it, I do need to say and ask where the hell you actually are in the world because if I can <laughs> just tell a little story, I, I was recording the the episode with Josh Giddy uh, from the Adelaide 36ers a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month or so ago now. I get into the Zoom call with Josh and then Olgan's name pops up and I, I had to check my schedule and I had to check uh, my meeting and whether I messed something up. I'm like, am I about to do a Zoom call with Olgan? But no, Olgan was in South Australia, which is someone who is in Victoria currently the thought of someone actually traveling state to state didn't even compute in my mind. Uh, I haven't left Geelong, I don't think, since I got back to Australia in March from the US. So uh, you've been getting around, man. Yeah, I do get around. Um, it's I, look, Ever since so my story, I got uh, made redundant by Fox Sports back in April, I think, which is a weirdly long time ago now. Um, and I was picked up relatively quickly by ESPN Australia. Um, who you also do work for, um, and it was—it just gave me the opportunity. I don't—I no longer work in an office, so as soon as the borders became relatively open, I thought, "Hey, I'm just going to go around a bit." So I, I kind of situated myself in Adelaide for a little bit. And when you were doing your pod with with Josh Giddy, he he didn't have a computer because he, he wanted to do the, the Zoom call, so he uh, he knew I was around. He asked me, "Hey, do you have a computer?" I said, "Yeah." So I, I kind of lent it to him for the, like your session with him and. Um, that created a, a fun, awkward situation. I remember you, you DM me just being like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, look, it, this being freelance, it has its obvious, obvious downsides. You know, the security of being full-time is lovely. Um, but being able to just get around and just kind of, I don't know, not be bogged down in one place is kind of nice. And so I'm sort of cherishing that. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of the things that people always ask me as someone who's freelancing as well. They say, well, that must be great. That must be a great life. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, depending on the circumstance, it can be. And it certainly afforded me the chance to be in the US the last couple of NBA seasons, which has been great. But as you sort of said, sometimes it can be difficult as well. But as far as the US and the NBA goes, I, I feel like we can start here. And at some point, this is going to come back to the Olympics and it's going to come back to Andrew Bogut. But I want to start because we, we see all these teams who are in the middle of their media days and um, you know, we're certainly fortunate enough that we get to jump in on Zoom calls and throw some questions at these guys. And Patty Mills this week has got me as a basketball fan, if I take off the media hat, <laughs> just uh, I, I can't even explain how excited I am to watch him play. But it's been curious because for those that have missed what Patty has been talking about. There's been some stuff on Twitter. He spoke about it on the Zoom calls. Threatening to bring out Olympic Patty Mills to the San Antonio Spurs. And this is really fascinating to me because uh, Mills now 32 years old, as we know. He's been in the NBA for a long time, since the 2010 season. But he's never averaged more than nine shots per game. He's, he's only averaged really just over 20 minutes per game over the last few seasons, but 19.3 on average for his career. When I look at the San Antonio roster, they haven't exactly lost anyone. I mean, they are deep at the guard position. They've got a bunch of young guys. Bryn Forbes went to Milwaukee, but they do have a bunch of young guys there. And DeMar DeRozan, for now, is still hanging around. So what have you made of these threats from Patty to unleash Boomer's Mills on the Spurs and the NBA? So I heard whispers of this uh, maybe two months ago when someone told me that Paddy was about to set up just an intense training camp in Hawaii. Um, and I don't know if he ended up doing that because of COVID and whatnot, but mm-hmm. that was his intention. He, he wanted to sort of turn a corner. I think, what is he, 32? Um, he's had all of these, um, you know, incredible Olympic and World Cup performances. Um, and he... He's also in a contract year now, so I, I figure that has a little bit to do with it. Um, but he, he really wanted to... I think coming off the World Cup, there was a sentiment from him that it was like, Kem, I, if, Kemba, if I can perform better than Kemba Walker at this level, or basically the same as Kemba Walker, and Kemba Walker can go and earn more than $100 million, why, why can't I do that? Is, is Kemba Walker that much better defensively than I am? Is he that much better a shooter? I think that was the sentiment that's been kind of lingering in Patty Mills's mind for a bit. Um, and so it's cool that we get to see that really like, uh, cerebral, um, like primal Patty going into the season. Where the minutes come from and, and how they differ, I don't know. Because I, I wonder if you're, if you're the Spurs, are you, are you going all in on this really cool narrative, which is Patty Mills about to go crazy? Or are you saying, oh, we still have DeJounte Murray? And we still have Derek White. Like we, we have to focus on these young guys. We still have Demar Derozan on our team. Um, like Lamarcus Aldridge is still a person who exists and needs needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Um, and so I don't know how they can actually change. Um, but if I guess Patty Mills and Greg Popovich are really really close, and I don't know if he gets 15 minutes a game, it, is he being given the green light to shoot 15 shots a game? Um, if so, that's a lot of fun. Um, but do you do you see? Do you see the opportunity there? Well, first of all, I, I got to apologize. I'm a bad podcast host. I don't know if you had some background music there, but uh, I just got stung by 
um, the ESPN auto video play um, as I was trying to look something up here as you were speaking. But I think it's really fascinating that you bring up uh, not only both the minutes situation in San Antonio, but also the contract situation. So as you said, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the 2021 season. And I've been curiously looking at Mill's situation, particularly as a trade target for the last couple of years. Now, I think the thing that has been stopping this is Greg Popovich's love for Patty Mills, that he's really the last man standing from those championship Spurs teams and, and, and the teams that, that clearly have formed the, uh, the, the dynasty that the Spurs have had over the last two decades. But that time is kind of gone. I mean, they, they obviously last year uh, missed the playoffs. This year, they're not projected to make the playoffs in a packed Western Conference. So I do wonder whether both Popovich, who, who knows where his future lies beyond this season, and the Spurs would be willing to trade Paddy to a contender and he can have that playoff run and then potentially get that final contract. So, I mean, he's always been the most unselfish selfless player when you look at the role that he's played he's always been the first guy that comes to mind when people ask me who are guys on the team that should probably be doing more should probably be playing more should probably be putting up better individual stats patty mills has always been front of mind for me and sometimes i say that over in the u.s and people sort of roll their eyes or raise their eyebrows and say well i mean of course you would say that you're australian but we've had the pleasure of watching this guy in the olympics and the kemble walker example you brought up is fantastic because <laughs> i i mean if, if you look at the purely the size of the guys their ability to score in the half court to run pick and rolls to shoot from the outside they are similar skill sets, and yet the disparity in the money they've earned is ridiculous. Now, Patty has earned $82, US million, uh, $82 million US dollars over the course of his career at the end of his contract. So let's be honest, nothing to be sneezed at. That's a lot of money. But still, he, the potential for him to have earned a lot more throughout his career, for him to have played a bigger role was there. And he's simply been unselfish and stayed with the Spurs, been in a good situation and one. So, I mean, he's benefited greatly from that. There's no doubt about that. But I personally, just as, again, as an Australian, as a basketball fan, if I take the media hat off, would love to see him go nuts for a year and try and get that one contract. And as he's pointed to, really ramp himself up for the 2021 Olympics. Yeah. So it's weird. When we watch the boomers, the question is always, um, you know, like how, it's always, how good is Patty Mills? Why doesn't he do this in the yeah. NBA? He's, he's clearly the, the maybe he's probably always the best offensive player on the floor in any FIBA game he plays in. And it's just, it's the nature of just how he plays and, and his skill set. But I think the question that comes from him is why don't people treat me the way that other people see me? Why don't, why doesn't my NBA team or NBA teams treat me like everyone else sees me when I play FIBA ball? Um, and so I think he just wants that opportunity. And I, and also there is a vibe. And so, so I will mention the, he is the sort of spearhead of that, the culture, at least currently in San Antonio, because mm -hmm. like you said, he's the, the last remaining piece. I think it was Ben, our friend Ben Malice, who did a story on that um, this past season on him being the sort of the last kind of link between the, the old title winning Spurs and the current Spurs. Um, and so you can't forget that. But I also think there's a sentiment from him that he's, this, he's going into his final contract, probably. Um, and so if he's going to do that, he might as well... He, he doesn't want to leave anything on the table. If he, if he thinks that he can perform at this level and he has demonstrated that he can perform at that level, then I think he, he wants the opportunity to do that, um, which is why I wasn't surprised when we saw those trade rumors earlier. Um, I think it was from the ringer. They, they said that 
you know, the Spurs were, I don't know if they were shopping him, but I guess they were, they were listening to offers um, for Patty. Um, and, and yeah, it's, again, as an Australian, we've, we get to see it up close and we, we've, we've gotten to, to be around him. Um, and so to be able, and, and do, do you think the, the casual NBA fan doesn't realize how much Patty Mills has produced and how effective he is for the boomers? Do you reckon, do you reckon that a casual NBA fan would know that? No, I, I don't think they have a clue. Like uh, even, um, and, and you probably caught some of this as well, even just the games that we saw at Marvel Stadium last year. And there was, um, there wasn't yeah. a lot, there wasn't a lot, but there, there was US media there. And, and it's not that they aren't plugged in, but they were, there was certainly, I still heard some comments like, man, Patty Mills plays like this for the national team. That's kind of interesting. And it's not <laughs> that people don't know that he's got this, the skill set to be able to do that because we've seen him run second units in the past. I mean, he's done it for his whole entire career. He's hit big shots. But I think when people see the, the usage that he has with the Australian national team and the fact that almost everything is running through him, I, I think even people that, that watch basketball daily are still taken aback by that a little bit. I think so. Um, and I think it was, it was during the last title run that they had, um, we saw glimpses of it. We saw Patty Mills with the, the greenest light you could ever ask for. Yeah. Um, and... I, I imagine that Mills went into his sort of preseason meetings with Spurs management and I feel like he told them. Um, I, I honestly think that it, there's a good chance that there was an ultimatum on the table, which is I would like to play the way I have demonstrated that I can play and, and do that, you know, with more opportunity or I'd like to go somewhere where I can do that. Um, but then in my mind, I was thinking, where does he go? So like, so I'm thinking of teams that could use a Patty Mills. And, and it's not just because I'm on with you, but, but the Bucks were, were a team that came up immediately because I felt like they needed another creator. I, I think Patty Mills' spot-up shooting ability is really good on that team. I think he could, he could have fit a role on that team really well. Um, but then I wondered, you know, how many teams could you put him on and how many of those teams would actually allow him to be the Patty Mills he now wants to be? Um, you know, as much as it's it's a nice little dream to have, I don't I don't know if if NBA teams are, are actually willing to go all in on a 32 year old Patty Mills who could be fever Patty for a season. Yeah, I mean this this is exactly what I was looking at as well. And it's funny you bring up Milwaukee because they were sort of reported to at least have interest. And I know for a fact at last year's trade deadline that they were really looking into that. And it was potentially even pretty close that a deal was going to be done. And the funny thing about that is Bucks head coach Mark Budenholzer obviously came from the Spurs. He knows Patty. He coached Patty as an assistant coach with those teams. And like I said, when people talk to me about Popovich and what do you think he's going to do, I've said for the last couple of years, purely because he's the last one standing, I, I felt like if Patty leaves, Pop's going Pop's gonna to call it a day because <laughs> we know how much he loves that guy. So as far as contenders, it's interesting because the whole free agent market has been so uh, shaped by what Giannis is doing and what he's going to do in 2021. So teams that I thought might trade for him because he had one year left on his deal, yeah, maybe he would find a way to Toronto if something didn't work out with Fred Van Fleet, or maybe he would end up in Miami, depending on what they decided to do with Goran Dragic. But it's a good point you make. I mean, if you're either a contender where you think he's going to be a piece that fits and he's going to come off the bench and he's going to help you in certain lineups, or you're, you're, you're a bad team where maybe the opportunity would be more so there, but I don't think that that would be a situation that he would want to go to either. Like, I'm sure he wants the ball, and I'm sure he does want to get that final deal, as you spoke about, but I'm also sure that he wants to win. I mean, he's a competitor. We know that. Do you think, 
What, what, would you, what would you put the chances are that Paddy Mills gets traded at the deadline to a contender? And and then I think he would obviously go and like, immensely help that contender. But what do you think of the chances are that that, tra- that sort of trade happens? An expiring contract of a proven scorer in the NBA. Yeah, I think it will happen. It, the funny thing is that I, when you looked at some of the contracts that even the Lakers had last year and some of the dollar amounts they could have put together – and also the guard deficiencies that it looked like they had before, you know, Rajon Rondo obviously played so well in the playoffs. I thought the Lakers were a team that made a lot of sense. And now they've gone and signed Dennis Schroeder, then perhaps it doesn't make as much sense. But if you look at a situation like that, he is exactly the type of guard that you would want to put in lineups with Brian and Anthony Davis. And he can have the ball, but he also plays off the ball really well, shoots the three incredibly well. So, yeah, I mean, he's just the, typically the guy that a contender is going to want because even though he's not, um, he's not an elite defender, he's not a guy that's going to lock anyone down, he's a, bit, he's a big shot maker. And he's done it in the NBA Finals. He's done it on the biggest stage that you can possibly have, the Olympics as well. So he's exactly the type of guy a contender would want. And I think, ultimately, he, he will move um, before this year's playoffs. Of course, if, that's if the Spurs aren't in contention, which I, I don't expect them to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and then I also do wonder even kind of stripping this back a bit more, I wonder if Paddy Mills looked at and maybe spoke to someone like Manu Ginobili, um, who, if, if he had his own team, I, I wonder how I wonder how differently we would talk about Manu Ginobili. We, we talk about him as maybe like one of the greatest teammates of all time, but I wonder if, if the conversation would change as far as Ginobili being one of you know the most effective or most productive players we've seen if he had his own team. And I wonder if Paddy Mills has maybe spoken to him or, or even just kind of looked at his situation and wondered I, I I've, I've done my part and I want and now I, I'd like to go and do something and then I also wonder if that translates to him potentially you know coming to an NBL team earlier than expected if, if that's something that he has a desire to do just because I, I wonder if he wants to be the man be like the absolute man of, a, of basically the NBL if he chooses to do it well, we can transition to the Olympics a little bit because I, I think Patty Mills leads us into that because you just brought up a pretty good point, I think, and something that I've spent some time thinking about with Patty and Dali and all these guys that I think we anticipate will come back to Australia at some point, Joe, as well. This has been such a, bench, a benchmark, a, a milestone year, and I know it was supposed to be 2020, but now 2021, these Olympics have been something that these guys have been eyeing off for a long time. And we know now that Andrew Boker, clearly that was his target as well. And he, he kind of fell short because of COVID and his body, and that really interrupted what his grand plans were. But for a lot of these guys, it's the same. And, and I'm not trying to say that Paddy Mills couldn't play in the 2024 Olympics. I still think that he could, could be playing at a high enough level to do so. But Aaron Baines is 34 now. I believe it's his birthday today or yesterday. Um, so these guys are getting on, and this is their last shot at it. And I, I, I've been thinking about Paddy and, and some of the things he's been saying. And when I sit back and think, well, he's won titles. He's been in the playoffs. He's played the role. He knows they're not going to be there this year. Maybe he's like, what's my goal from this year? Uh, maybe it's to earn money on that next contract for sure. That, that would be something that he's probably thinking about. But also, he'd be thinking, I want to get that medal. I want to get that medal at the Olympics. And how do I get myself in the best position to do so? It's probably not playing 15 minutes off the bench and, and pl- making the unselfish play and taking minimum shots. It's probably getting yourself in the best game shape possible for the role that you're going to play with the Boomers, which we know is going to be high usage lead ball hammer. On the flip side to that, though, what about the idea of Paddy Mills potentially sort of easing into his minutes and playing that 15 minutes a game? To burn out. (laughs) 
That's that's what I'm thinking yeah. too. Yeah. But I I do think that as much as Paddy Mills has made it really public of his desire to go out and just be a killer this season, I I, I think the the thing that's at the top of of his mind, and I think most of those you know core Australians in the NBA, I think it is the Olympics. I think the the context that surrounds this the the Australian Boomers and most of those guys is just too intense when it comes to national team play and all of the fourth place finishes for them not to see that as the ultimate goal. Um, and I, and, and so when it comes to Paddy Mills, when it comes to Delhi, Aaron Baines, I, when we talk about when the NBA season will end and, and if it has an impact on the Olympics, I think either way, we're going to see most of, if not all of the Australians play in the Olympics. I, I can't imagine it happening any other way. Yeah, I think they'll be there as well. It, when you bring up the topic of burnout, we can probably move to Aaron Baines a little bit because um, we had Daniel Moldovan on the show a couple of weeks ago. And this was prior to Aaron Baines signing with the Toronto Raptors. And he was talking about the opportunity that he wanted to play. He wanted to contribute. And when you look at what the Raptors did and they lost Serge Ibaka, they lost uh, Marcus Hall as well. As soon as all this went down, it just made sense that Aaron Baines would go to Toronto. This is a team that's still trying to be competitive uh, this year, and they've got a huge hole at the center spot. Aaron Baines is going to start. He's going to get an opportunity to play minutes, but we saw last year in Phoenix that um, through some factors that were you know, just unfortunate, some through wear and tear, he hasn't been a guy that's played huge minutes. So when I thought about the, the NBA season rolling directly, into the Olympics when I thought about him going to Toronto, a team that is going to be in the playoffs, uh, you, you would expect. It will be interesting to me to see how Aaron Baines fares during this NBA season because, again, if Australia does have hopes of having a medal in the Olympics, you're going to need Aaron Baines. Uh, you're not going to have Andrew Bogut there, and I know there's a bunch of other guys. You know, Jock Landau obviously was fantastic in the World Cup, and you expect him to be a part of that squad. But Baines is going to be the man. He's going to start. You're going to need him to play a significant role. So it will be interesting because we saw last year the World Cup going into the NBA season eventually looked like it kind of took a toll on him. Yeah, um, and, and we, we saw how effective Baines was during the World Cup, right? He was the boom's second most effective and productive player. Um, he, he just, he just excels at that level with the, with the Raptors. It's, it's going to be it, like you said, it's going to be super interesting because there's a guy who, who their big depth isn't amazing. Who's, who's behind him. They, they re-signed Boucher. Boucher and they, they got Alex <laughs> they, and they got Alex Len. Yeah. Um, and so Baines will get the bulk of those minutes and, and it's not even just, the minutes it's the way he plays too his nickname is the banger he he yes. puts his body on the line he goes and sets screens he runs rim to rim so that does take a big toll on, on your body um it's interesting that the whole it was probably one of the more enjoyable things to watch in the free agency the the sort of big man carousel that was going on mm-hmm. where you know the, the lakers they made their moves they made that mcgee trade to bring in marcus soul and as soon as that was done then Ibaka was like, all right, now is my time to go to the Clippers. And then the, and then Baines was like, all right, I'm the, the last kind of versatile, you know, shooting, rim-protecting big, le- big man left. Oh, what's the open spot? Oh, it's in Toronto. How good. Um, so that, that was quite cool. Um, and it's also, I think, the perfect spot for him. But the, the idea of, of wear and tear, and I want to say that that was a, a thing going into the, the FIBA World Cup in 2019 too, where toward the end of that campaign, guys were tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's going to matter. And 
the, the Patty Mills missed free throw at the, at the end of that, you know, you don't put that down to fatigue, but there were, there were a lot of plays at the end there that you do put down to fatigue with Patty and with Delhi because they were forced to play bulk minutes. Um, and so I, I, I do wonder, even though, let's say, Aaron Baines is part of a, a Raptors team that's going to contend for a title, is it in the back of his mind that he does want to stay relatively fresh for what's probably going to be his final Olympics? I don't know, but that's, that's something we've got to keep an eye on. Yeah, 22.2 minutes per game last season. And, and, you know, it's kind of funny the way it panned out. His role was really amplified when DeAndre Ayton had a 25-game suspension to start the season. And he was really thrust into that starting lineup and was playing even more than that. But ultimately, he only ended up playing 42 games in the season. And I know it was shortened and certainly the bubble situation. And, and you know, he had a battle with COVID and, and his family as well. So it, that played into that. And that's not necessarily something that you can put down to where it's there. I mean, it's just the, the nature of what's been going on around the world. As far as Dali goes... I don't think wear and tear is going to be an issue because he, he, <laughs> he signs in Cleveland and the Cleveland guard situation is just absolutely fascinating to me. I wrote about it yesterday because you have Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr. who just drafted Isaac Okoro, who, you know, who knows where he can play, you know, guard, wing, but they just have a bunch of young guys that are there. Dante Exum obviously is another one and it's kind of a shame for Dante, I feel like, because it's like, where's he going to play? I, I don't know where the minutes yeah. are going to be. We know Garland and Sexton are going to probably start. So for Dali, it's a really fascinating situation. Obviously much loved in, in uh, Cleveland, but I don't see major minutes. And it, it's kind of a shame because prior to the shutdown, uh, the, the last four games when uh, John Beeline was uh, let go, let's say they came to an agreement and JB Biggestaff took over, uh, Dali found himself with some minutes and and was, was playing a decent level of basketball, but I, I just don't see it coming into this season. I don't know where the minutes are going to come from. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there was a feeling that Delhi signing with the Cavs was uh, sentimental is yeah. a bit of a, a wanky word, but it's, it's, sort, of, it's sort of what it was. Um, like he, he, you don't sign with this Cavs team who is sort of on kind of the, the edge of their rebuild as far as they've got some key guys. You don't you don't join that team knowing that Colin Sexton is there, knowing that Darius Garland is there. Um, you know, I wonder is is Dante Exum ahead of Delhi on the on like the um, like on the platform there? I I, I wonder. I mean, I um, hope so. I hope so for for his development. You know, like if you're an Australian basketball fan and you want to see Dante Exum play, then I I hope that he is ahead of Delhi. But I thought it was kind of a shame that Delhi signed in Cleveland, and he's almost got like that lifetime contract. He could probably sign one year deals with the Cavs for the next decade, and they'll keep bringing him back. That's how much uh, he is loved there. But I just think he's got a bit left in the tank. I was hoping he would go elsewhere where he could play. Yeah, there there are definitely teams out there that he could have gone to. I think. I think it was Mark Stein who mentioned the, the Lakers were an option for him. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I still even wonder if with that Lakers team, I know that they do need some guard depth, but I, I don't know if there, there are that many minutes for Delhi there either. Um, and, and even then, there's definitely places he could have gone to where he could have been a, a good backup veteran for a young guy. Um, and, and so, I, yeah, it's, it, was, it was super interesting. Um, and then, yeah, when it comes to the boomer stuff, it just it just means that Delhi will probably be extra fresh yeah. going into going into Tokyo. Yeah, that's definitely the positive with him. And then, of course, uh, Joe Ingles. We know he's going to do his thing in Utah. Um, he'll he'll play he'll play a prominent role. And he's got uh, Derek Favors back. He's got his pick and roll partner there as well. So he'll probably see the benefits of that. As far as other guys 
that are you know potentially playing for the Boomers that are in the NBA. Ryan Brokoff, we saw he's gone to Philly eventually. We know uh, that was originally the plan in the bubble and due to personal circumstances that didn't work out. Again, it's it's difficult to see where the minutes are going to come for him. But having said that, in certain lineups, depending on what Doc Rivers wants to do, it would be fun. We've always said this. The Sixers, the one thing they haven't done for Ben Simmons is put the right guys around him. I mean, I just think it's been an absolute mess. Uh, they've continually yeah. changed the players around. And I thought... For if you're a Sixers fan, the one thing you want is for them to get some front office stability and to to get a roster that actually works before they move on from Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, that partnership. I think they've done that with Seth Curry, but I never know. Maybe Brokoff can slip in there and get some minutes and knock down some threes. He's done that at a high level, even in uh, limited time with Dallas. Yeah, so Brokoff will obviously have to prove himself in training camp um, and preseason so he can, I guess, get that contract guaranteed. Um, and if any other year, again, last season when, when they signed Brockoff, it was like, cool, finally, like they, they've just finally listened to just the, what the obvious reality is, which is let's put some shooters around these really great inside presences. Um, but now it sucks because Brockoff joins a crew that has just brought in Danny Green and just brought in Seth Curry. Um, and you know, I think Shake Milton is coming off a really good season too, and Matisse Thybul is is growing, and he became a better shooter toward the, the back end of, of of his rookie year as well. And so, I I don't know if the minutes are going to be there, especially because so it was like the situation in Dallas where Brockoff would come on and he would demonstrably be a really good and effective shooter on the floor, but he just he just never had the opportunity to do it enough that they trusted him with legitimate minutes. Um, or at least on a consistent basis. And I feel like it'll be a similar situation in, in Philadelphia if he makes the roster, where he, he's probably going to play those, you know, those end of the second quarter minutes or, or, you know, those sort of, not garbage time, but sort of tickling that garbage time sort of minutes. Um, and I don't know if he's going to get that real shot. Again, for his sake, hopefully he does. Um, but that Sixers team has finally added legitimate shooters that Brock off as a legitimate shooter in his own right is, is maybe diminished because there are other guys there who, who have the same skill set. Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned Seth Curry, who probably projects to start, but Furkan Korkmaz off the bench played really well last year. Again, I think he's going to be an important player. And also uh, our guy, Matisse Thibel. He, uh, he <laughs> probably sits ahead, or not probably, he does sit ahead of anywhere that Brockoff would be, even if he was on that roster. So, yeah, certainly going to be difficult, but he's just a guy that I think all Australian basketball fans have wanted to see play, have wanted to see succeed, because we've seen him before in uh, for the national team uh, play at a, at a really high level as well. And, you know, it's tough. It's tough for those guys to sit on the bench for as long as he had. He probably just wants to play. I, I've got it. Honestly, I could probably just keep going forever. We probably should look to wrap this up, and I'm probably just going to have to bring you back at some point. But a couple of things I want to touch on before um, we do finish this up. Uh, what about the situation that Will Weaver has walked into in Houston? I mean, this is unbelievable. First of all, shout out to Will for for getting back over there. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, just a just a great fella. I mean, one of one of my favorite people to talk basketball with. And you know, certainly shout out to him for getting back to the league. But Houston is, a, Houston is just a disaster right now. And, and Harden, one way or the other, is going to force his way out of there. And maybe that would be the best thing possible for not only the coaching staff and the players to, to remove that sort of um, situation, let's say, from the locker room, but 
it's got to be pretty wild to be showing up to training camp and now uh, the the whole sideshow of James Harden. Where is he and why is he at birthday parties? And now he has to uh, pass six COVID tests, I think it is, before he can practice. Uh, it's pretty messy. Yeah, it's and we both know Will Weaver. We know that he's, he's a really smart, young coach. Um, he's quite cerebral. He's really philosophical. And so to join a team where the best player didn't rock up to camp on time because he was at a strip club is very antithetical to the to that sort yeah. of sentiment. Um, but yeah, it's again obviously a ton of kudos to Will Weaver for going and getting a lead assistant job in the NBA. Like that is that was something I didn't envision when the Sydney King season ended. But NBA teams were high on him, and and the Rockets swooped, which is which is really awesome for him. Um, but yeah, going from a Sydney Kings organization that was you know turning around, they'd become a lot more <laughs> professional. They just had Andrew Bogut. Going to a Rockets franchise that has a new head coach, the the best player is he, what he has to do five more negative COVID tests in order yeah. to play, in order to participate in anything. Um, and now they have just John Wall who just exists there. And I feel like John Wall is going to be a positive influence if if anything. And and on the on the a fun little note as well is that John Wall just bought a stake in the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. And so mm-hmm. I guess John Wall and and Will Weaver can have some chats about the NBL too. Um, <laughs> But it's just, it's just, I don't know. It, for your first NBA gig, that's a weird, weird situation to walk into. All right. Last player. And listen, it was a perfect segue. And I have to say, we started this podcast. You said, what are we going to talk about? I said, I don't know. I didn't take any notes. Let's just see where this <laughs> takes us. Um, but th- this is just perfect right now. You mentioned the Phoenix uh, in the last couple of days. It's been really funny for me, having spent so much time in Milwaukee the last few years, Kiefer Sykes signs with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and uh, went to college at University of Wisconsin Green Bay just down the road from Milwaukee. So I had a bunch of texts the last couple of days saying, oh man, are you going like, to get to watch Kiefer play? This guy is loved. Anyone that went to that school, he's like a, a cult hero. Everyone speaks about him being one of the best players they've they got the chance to see. Uh, electric scorer, um, quick and it's kind of funny because we had Tommy Greer on the show last week and I was trying to get out of him who this signing was going to be. <laughs> when I was looking at the roster, I was like, okay, well, you lose uh, Robeson and he was that electric scorer and he was the guy that could just get you a bucket. And when I was looking at the roster, they needed someone that was going to do that. I didn't know where the scoring was going to come from at the guard position. So personally, I mean, as someone who's seen a little bit of this guy play, I'm excited. This should be a fun signing. It was, it was always going to be that, that point guard, that Robeson replacement. Um, and I think that just rounds out their, their roster almost perfectly. You know, yep. a, a starting lineup of Sykes, Cam Glidden, maybe Ruben Tarangi, Mitch Creek, and then Ben Moore. That's a really, really like, solid starting lineup that's got a lot of firepower. It has defensive versatility. They're really switchable. Um, and so I think, I think they're really sneaky. People are underestimating them because just down the road in Melbourne, they they just got Scotty Hobson, yeah. um, and, and you know they are and they are Melbourne United, and and there are other teams who are, who are looking really solid. The Breakers look awesome, but honestly, the I think that their depth might be an issue, but Kevin Sykes just makes that team super exciting, um, and I think he's the perfect fit um, for that roster considering what they lost. Yeah, not only last year, and this was the interesting thing with the Phoenix and and living in Geelong, I was fortunate enough to to be able to get up to their games, but even though they weren't winning a lot, particularly in the back half of the season, they were always entertaining. 
And I, I know for I know that's not necessarily the goal if you're you're a basketball team, but when you are a startup franchise and you're trying to build a fan base and you're trying to build, uh, you know, I guess an identity as a team, that's what they really did. So I, I think it's a really important signing to get a guy like Sykes. And I agree. Um, above all else, they're going to be super entertaining to watch, and they're going to be a team that you're going to want to tune into, which I, I think also is important. I mean, it, yes, again, they want to make the playoffs and they want to win games, but they need to also ensure that they're a team that's going to stick around and isn't going to fall by the wayside. Especially this season, where I think most NBL teams and even the NBL have sort of resigned to the fact that COVID is going to make it difficult to. Yeah make any money um they they know that they're gonna have losses this year and so in order to bring in maybe that extra five percent of a crowd or that extra five percent of a um of a tv viewing if you bring in guys who not only can help you win but can also be entertaining can you know someone like robeson like hit a lot of threes people love that sykes also hits a ton of threes can get in the paint is the, the sneakiest athlete on earth like I th- I think that's that's just going to help the team. And again, like you said, for a, a budding new team, it driving people through the doors and getting people involved by having people like Sykes, like players like Sykes, I think that's just the perfect fit. Well, uh, the NBA we know starts on December 23. The NBA, NBL, did I say that right? NBA starts December 23. NBL, not too far behind it on January 10. So we don't have long to wait. And... I don't know, man. I, like I said, you've been traveling around. Now us Victorians are on the loose. Maybe I'll end up in Sydney or you'll end up in, in Melbourne here in the next few weeks and we'll cross paths. Oh, God, maybe. One day. One day. I, haven't, I haven't seen you in like a year, so hopefully. I haven't seen you since we were both in Melbourne last year and you were telling me uh, how much more beautiful Melbourne is than Sydney and you couldn't understand why anyone <laughs> would choose to live in Sydney over Melbourne. Is that, is that, do I remember that correctly? I don't, I don't remember me ever saying this, but it's been good to be here. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, on that note, that's the perfect way to finish it. Uh, like I said, this was a little bit different. Usually the podcast is behind the, the paywall over at Substack. And if you enjoyed it, um, of course, you can subscribe to the Pick and Roll. There's a bunch of written content, obviously some podcasts, some video stuff as well. Um, they are doing a fantastic job. Uh, but we're going to play around with the podcast a little bit and you can let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, and and we'll be able to roll from there. But uh, Olgan's a star. We all know that. Uh, he's with ESPN now. And he mentioned at the top, we're, we're, we're ESPN colleagues now. We're both freelancing, but I'm willing to say that we're, we're colleagues. And uh, and um, maybe that's preferred over the friends uh, comments I said at the start. But it's always good to catch up with you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and for everyone out there, go subscribe to the Pick and Roll. I, I subscribed on day one. It's worth it. Trust me. Well, there you go. That's, that's the perfect endorsement we can get. So we will be back uh, next week. Again, uh, by that point, NBA preseason games have already got underway. So maybe we'll get a sense for the Paddy Mills that we're going to see if he plays. Who knows? Uh, it's been a fun chat today, though, with Olgan. So like I said, we'll leave it there. Uh, everyone, stay safe. I know we're, we're pretty fortunate here in Australia if that's where you are, but nonetheless, uh, stay safe. Have a good week. We'll catch you guys next week.